As the effects of a global pandemic continue to lead to equipment supply and labor shortages, farmers are preparing for the year ahead. What's the strategy when machinery is in short supply? That's today on Field Posts. is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. The farm equipment market is as tight as ever with new and used equipment in extremely high demand after a year of good commodity prices and supply chain disruptions that have left manufacturers scrambling for commodity inputs to make everything from tires to computer chips. Today, we'll talk with Progressive Farmer Senior Editor Dan Miller about what to expect in the months ahead in the equipment market and how to prepare for a year when it might not be possible to get needed parts and equipment quickly. Then we'll check in on the latest rollouts, DTN Progressive Farmers Breeders Insight Awards, and what to expect at Winter Farm Machinery Shows this year, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. Progressive Farmer Senior Editor Dan Miller has been keeping a close eye on how supply chain disruptions and labor shortages are affecting the farm equipment space. So Dan, the big kind of news that's top of everyone's mind right now is about these supply chain disruptions and whether or not folks can get the things they need, especially as the season starts to wrap up. What are you seeing on the kind of equipment side in terms of those changes? You know, it was interesting when I was getting ready for this podcast and I was thinking about earlier this week, I, I had to go to a tire store and put tires on my truck. And when I called, made the appointment, they said, yep, they have the tires, everything's good to go. And then when I got there, they didn't have the tires and they had a, a, a lower grade tire, kind of needed the tires. So I got them anyway. And I said, hey, by the way, uh, while I'm here, can I get an oil change? And they looked on the records and they see that I have synthetic oil in the truck. And, and they said, no, we don't have any oil. We don't have the synthetic oil that you need. No, we can't do the oil change today. So it, it was a personal example, a small example. It's not a farming example of what I think farmers and, and, and manufacturers are running into. Since the, the beginning of COVID, you started hearing from manufacturers, their biggest concern was parts. They had a lot of concerns, but their biggest concern was parts and materials. So everything from chips that you hear about with cars and trucks that people are trying to buy all the way through electronics. And I've heard GPS receivers are an issue, some of those kinds of things. So the manufacturers have been looking high and low for parts for the last 18 months. And I, I remember one of the manufacturers and one of the executives told me they weren't just looking for chips. They had a list of 200 parts and supplies and materials that they were constantly on the search for. So it's a big deal. And they're trying to direct 
parts to farmers to keep them in the field in the spring, to keep them in the field here in the fall during harvest. But they're doing that, they're taking parts away from their factories. So it's causing factory issues too. For example, I was talking to the folks at CNH, they manufacture Case IH, and, and I was in Grand Island, Nebraska, and I was going by their combine manufacturing plant, and there was hundreds, probably 200, 250 combines just sitting there. And, I, and my, my first thought was, wow, they must be doing really well. Manufacturing that many combines, they must be doing really well. Come to find out later from one of our other writers, Joel Reichenberger, he checked with them. And those are all combines that are built, but not completed, they call them. And so they're missing something. They're missing parts or whatever. So they kept their lines running. They manufactured these combines. And when they are able to secure the parts, they'll finish them off and, and then ship them at that point. So um, that's an example of one of the one of the things we're seeing, at least among manufacturers. I'm curious that those components, especially for things like tires, I think this is at the time of year, especially that people, whether it's for equipment or for personal vehicles, that people are, are starting to pay attention. What kind of tires do I need to, to have a safe winter? What's going on there? Is it the tires themselves? Is this a shipping issue? What is causing this backup? I think it's materials, raw materials. I've talked to some folks that were, you know, Firestone and some of the others, Goodyear. It's materials and it's not all tires. At least my assumption is in it's not all tires, but tires are tough to get. When I was at the Farm Progress show back in the end of August, talked to one of the tire manufacturers there and said, what's the delivery time on tires? And they're saying that now this was back in August, end of August. They were saying April and May next year for some types of tires before they can get them out to farmers. So that's an issue. The farm equipment manufacturers compete for a lot of things with car and truck manufacturers, electronics, gauges, Chips, of course, just all sorts of things that, that are common to cars and trucks and farm equipment. And suppliers are going to fulfill the, the Fords and Chevys of the world and the Rams of the world before necessarily they're going to fulfill the needs of Agco or Case or whatever. It's just they're a competitive challenge, let's, let's say that. So it's, a, it's an issue for farmers waiting for delivery. It's an issue for manufacturers trying to produce the tires. And it's just, it's this slinky effect. You get you get this stretching and contracting of the market. You get a little bit of stuff into the market, then it's consumed right away. And then you wait for the next piece of equipment or parts and, and materials to come in. Given these disruptions and what we're looking at now, is there any visibility on how long this might last? Year, next year. I talked to a farmer yesterday in Iowa and let me see if I get this straight. He ordered a planter, I think it was this spring, and it was, or maybe it was earlier than spring. It was due to be delivered in May, and then it was July, then it was August. And it, long story short, he still doesn't have it. And he's being told now it might be next year. He does have a price guarantee on it, which is a good thing he told me, but he said that he's not counting on that planter even for next spring, but he'll take it whenever it comes, but he's not, he's done waiting for it. He's holding on to some equipment. He purchased a lot of new equipment anyway this year so he can get by the year, but it just kind of shows. He told me that his dealer is telling him that if you want to order equipment, not for 2022, but for 2023, that you should probably order by Thanksgiving this year. And, and it's a matter of it's a matter of parts availability, and it's across the board. It's machinery, it's corn heads, it's drapers. You'll see the piece sitting there, but it doesn't have all its parts, and so it's not operational yet. Another farmer in Kentucky told me that what they're doing is they're typically, they have pretty fast turnover on equipment, maybe not every year, but every two years. They have some tractors that they're going to hold on to for next year because they're not assured 
uh, that they're going to be delivered, you, you know, the ones that they've ordered. So they're going to hold on to a little bit older tractor to make sure they have those for next spring. So besides other than just like really looking ahead, thinking ahead, planning ahead, getting orders in as soon as you know you need it. Any other advice out there for farmers who are trying to plan, maybe make some big purchases after, you know, one of a, a, the first good year in a while? Yeah. And, and I think farmers know these, you know, one is plan ahead. I've heard that some dealerships, uh, the manufacturers aren't allowing them to stockpile parts to have those typical parts that they might need in spring or harvest or, or those kinds of things so um, that they can get parts for the farmer directly. But even that hasn't always worked. Some have told me they've paid the extra money to have it shipped uh, by air for next day delivery. And it might still be two, three, four days down the road before it finally shows up. So I think planning ahead is important, of course. One guy told me that this fall, he stocked up on about twenty dollars or $30,000 worth of consumables, parts that he knows he'll probably need through the year. And that way he'll keep running. Things that you know that farmers know typically are going to go bad belts and those kinds of things and hoses and all that. They're going to want to stock up on those. Some of the other parts that, you know, go bad once every five or 10 years, it's hard to, it's hard to anticipate those parts going bad. But again, I think farmers know where their problem areas are mechanically and keeping machinery running and stuff. They'll look for those. Another area or another thing to think about is buying, one dealer suggested buying parts that are close, but not exact. Now, not a mechanic, not recommending it. I don't know. He says it works at times. <laughs> so I don't know what that does to warranties and things like that, but that's something that the farmers are thinking about. One other result of the supply chain problems, uh, used equipment that would normally come into a deal isn't. And so farmers are deciding, like I told you, that farmer in Kentucky are deciding to run their equipment maybe one more year or two more years. But what that also creates is a lack of parts that perhaps a dealer could salvage off of. Um, a used combine or a used tractor coming in that maybe they could sell. Some. That same dealer said that tires are an issue and, and some guys are buying used tires. He told Joel Reichenberger, our, one of our editors, he told him that anything that holds air, he can sell these days. That's kind of where it's at. So people are scraping the bottom for things, for parts and supplies, but it's just, it's going to take a year or two. And that's what the manufacturers are saying. It's going to take a while yet. They're not, the CEO of, of Agco told me that this is the worst supply problem he's seen in his entire career. And he spends, as CEO even, he spends most of his days trying to secure parts. Fine. I mean, they were flying they were flying engine blocks. Agco was flying engine blocks out of Brazil to Italy to keep their lines running. And engine blocks are heavy. You're not going to put a lot on a plane, and that's very expensive. But that was a, an investment they decided they needed to have to make. Wow, that is nuts. But a great segue there into, I know that all of these shortages and this kind of pent-up demand is putting some incredible pressure on not just the new market, but the used market. Give us kind of the lay of the land. What are things looking like in the equipment market space? So I talked to a man at the Farm Progress Show. His name is uh, Mark Stock, and he's uh, uh, one of the, uh, the co-owners of, of Big Iron auctions. And I was asking about the, the used equipment market. And it was interesting. He said that when they have an auction on, online, that the number of farmers that are showing up or people interested in the auction have grown to 40,000 different IP addresses at, at one time. It's just skyrocketed. And he said that uh, used equipment prices, typically, if you compared used equipment prices to, to new prices, they were 20, 25% a farmer could save by buying a, a used equipment. Sometimes now the used equipment is uh, more costly than brand new equipment. He was talking about a trailer, a semi-trailer that a guy owned, kept it in good shape. He said it was in really good shape. 
but he had bought it for $34,000 back about not quite 10 years ago and sold it just recently for $38,000. So he got a you know, he got more than he paid for it. So that's that shows some of it. Mark said that the grain trailers are hot, the lower low hour combines are hot. Those are he said they can sell all those that they can get. I wonder what you see in terms of other COVID impacts. You know, I think we've talked a lot about the labor shortage as playing into this. What effects is that having in terms of either on the manufacturing side or your local dealership trying to find technicians? Yeah, I don't know so much on the manufacturing side. I'm just going to make a wild assumption that they're doing everything they can to keep their people, other people working outside of strike, as John Deere's experiencing now. But I, I would guess that they're doing everything they can to keep their people on board. The dealerships are an interesting story because I think they're chronically short of, of labor. They will say, especially technicians now, electric, you know, technicians that can handle the computers and electronics and technology of the machinery that they encounter these days. That's that's an ongoing issue, and I don't think these days are doing anything to help that. They're paying a pretty good premium, I think, to get uh, uh, younger men and women out to these dealerships to work. As one told me, he goes, they're excited about the money, but when they find out they have to work 24 hours a day, they have to be out in the field whenever a piece of machinery breaks down. They're not all that excited about the pay anymore. And farmers are having labor, you know, and again, that's not necessarily anything new. It's hard to get it's hard to get people out there. It's hard to get people that know how to work the equipment. For manufacturers, that's one of the selling points for the, all the technology they're selling these days is that you can better manage your labor costs because of the technology. You don't necessarily need need the, the, the on-farm staff that maybe you, you once thought you needed. I want to switch gears a little bit from the downsides, all of the the stresses and struggles of the equipment space at the moment, and and talk a little bit about the bright spots. I think we are getting into, I'm going to call it award season, where we talk about top tractors and other implements. What are you seeing in terms of who's doing well this year? And, and maybe you can give us a little tease of what we might see at DTN Ag Summit in terms of equipment awards. Sure. Yeah, we have a we have our program called Reader Insights, and what Reader Insights is, we send out uh, pretty detailed surveys to uh, a selection of our readers, asking them about what they like, what they don't like, what they have. Importantly, we have a tractor survey that we'll be presenting at the Ag Summit in early December. You know, that'll show some interesting things. I think you'll recognize the manufacturers there. You'll recognize that some one of the manufacturers is pretty dominant, but. It's interesting to hear. I think that the most interesting part of the survey is hearing what farmers like and don't like. And at, at DTN Progressive Farmer, we write an awful lot about technology. But there's also, there's a good number of folks out there that would rather be able to fix their own tractor. And and it, that's not all that rare that, you know, they're, especially when you get to a second tractor or a third tractor, they're probably interested in an older model, something that they can take care of on their own pretty well. And in terms of what you are seeing in terms of trends moving forward, are people taking this opportunity, given the year that 2021 was in mm-hmm. terms of a crop season, a marketing season, are you seeing a lot of interest in people exploring new technologies, getting interested in kind of the newer equipment, or do you see less interest in that, more interest in kind of uh, maybe the older models that uh, offer more kind of security and ability to do things like fix yourself? Yeah, let me back up. Just one thing I thought of too is one of the reasons for the supply chain problems is demand. I mean, it, it, as manufacturers went into COVID and, you know, they, not all of them were really shutting down factories, but operations were restricted and difficult and, and all that. So they were producing less. 
And then farm demand just came shooting in. And so it's a, it's a demand problem created by a good economy, a good farming economy. So, you know, that was an issue that they're dealing with. Getting into your question about technology. Yeah, I think I think there's good interest in, in, in technology. We're working on a technology package for our February magazine. They'll be in DTN too. Taking a look at some of the different kinds of, of technologies that farmers like they're using. There's some pretty interesting stuff. And it all comes down to managing time in the field, getting fuel where it needs to be. And they can do that. For example, they get getting fuel to where it needs to be. They can download an app and watch and see what fuels left in their tractors or combines, and then get that fuel truck to the right places a little bit more efficiently. So I think it's there. I think there is that divide. There is with a lot of technology where younger farmers aren't afraid of the technology. And I'm not saying the older farmers are necessarily afraid of technology, but if they're anything like me, they're afraid to push the button. And, 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 and that's what my kids tell me is, dad, just push the button. And I'm going, no, something horrible is going to happen. And I think there's some of that resistance out there. Just are they, are farmers using all the technology they have? Probably not, probably not, but they're learning about it. And the young guys are showing the dads. And, and like I said, when I started writing, the guys that are the dads and grandfathers were the early adopters. They were literally creating stuff in their shops, wiring. I remember seeing rigs, just wires hanging everywhere and them trying to figure out what they needed to collect out in the field and not collect and all sorts of hope. So those early adopters, they're, they're not afraid of the technology. And I think it'd be interesting to, to see how many of them, how, they're, how they've come to adopt what they have now. I'm curious from your perspective, keeping an eye on all of these trends and seeing firsthand at the shows this summer, and then also talking with executives and folks at the companies, any big technologies that you saw come out this year that you're really excited about or excited to see maybe in the next year? I think technologies that basically track productivity in the field. So technologies that once farmers have lines, those rows mapped out, that, that keeps them on those same lines. So they plant on those same lines. They spray on those same lines. They'll harvest on those same lines. And again, I was talking to a, to a farmer who has one of the systems. And I asked him the question, like we always ask about, what do you think the yield improvement's been? He goes, I'm not sure the yield improvement's the right question. He goes, but I can do another 10 acres a day because of this technology. And so he says time, productivity, that kind of thing he's real excited about. So I think that's where, that's maybe a question we need to think of asking is not only yield, but maybe it isn't always yield, but it's productivity and having the machinery in the right place at the right time. And on the equipment side, is there anything in terms of, I think the talk of the town in recent years has been all about scale, all about how big the equipment is getting. Are you seeing anything in corn and soybeans or in other crops that is exciting you that it seems like the industry is getting excited about? I don't know if the, how the industry is, but gosh, combines are getting huge. And, and that's my that's my insider view is they are just, they're just big. They're packed with a lot of technology and a lot of productivity. And some of the manufacturers just really have some pretty impressive combines out there. And the sprayers would be a new area. I think it's getting a lot of attention. They're making everything, they're doing everything to make sprayers more comfortable, just more roomy and more comfortable, but also more and more automated all the time. And John Deere, for example, and I'm sure the other ones do it too. So the technology you might find in a tractor is the same technology and systems you would find in the sprayers, the same technology you would find in the combine. So if you've got an operator that has to go from tractor to sprayer to combine, it all looks pretty familiar. And their ability to be productive pretty quick is a short-term learning or short learning curve there. Any other big updates that you are stories you're going to be following as we go into the new year on this kind of front? 
we'll have the, the, the farm equipment show up in Kentucky in February. Um, that'll be interesting to see what they have. It was canceled last year, and I don't know what the, the rules and restrictions are going to be this year, but it, it ought to be interesting to see what kind of equipment. I think the manufacturers this year have been rolling out a lot of equipment, and I don't know if it's because there was a backlog or these. I'm sure these were just planned. They were long in development and everything, but there's a lot of equipment coming out all across any tractors, sprayers, combines, cotton pickers. There are all, you know, all sorts of new equipments coming out. So I think that'll be, that's kind of exciting, I think, for farmers and for dealers too, and is just to see what's going to be there. And that show is always interesting in any way. And there's usually a fair number of equipment introductions there. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Oh, and I'll be going to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas right after the first of the year. John Deere's had a display there for the last two or three years, I think. And it's interesting because the Consumer Electronics Show, everything from TVs to loungers to just all sorts of electronic games, of course, all that kind of stuff. And then John Deere shows up with a sprayer where the booms are 100 foot wide or 130 foot wide. And it really, it's fun to watch people walk by and go, what is this? And then get an explanation for, the questions are always around, is it, well, what does this do? Do you just spray more chemicals or do this and that? And Deere explains, no, with this kind of machinery, we're more efficient with our spraying, say, and we're more productive. I think that's always a, that's always fun to watch them. And I don't know what deer is going to have there this year, but that'll be fun to watch and, and, and see what they have. You can read Dan's full stories and learn more about all things farm equipment online at dtnpf.com or with the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine subscription. Learn more at the website. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Dan Miller. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit dtn.com.